0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK,
0: and me, Kim, a Eurovision fanatic from Canada.
1: Today, we are going back to a sort of middle of the timeline. Eurovision, I guess you would call it. Like, I'm not going to do the sort of simple maths, or this <laughs> simple maths to normal people, hard maths for me, sort of figuring out where the halfway point is from Eurovision from conception to today's date, but 1974 kind of feels like halfway there.
0: I feel like maybe still on the early end, but like getting towards halfway, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're, we're going to be looking at the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest from Brighton in uh, the UK.
0: Yes, so this is our first Eurovision from the 70s, and like, you picked a a biggie, because of course, we will be talking about it um, as we go through the performances, I am sure, but as we mentioned last time, this is the ABBA year.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the one where ABBA famously won with Waterloo. If that's a spoiler for you, I'm sorry you've not been paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) because I think it's a well-known fact that's where they became famous from from Eurovision with Waterloo
0: Right. Yeah. So like under normal circumstances, when I'm going into um, a Eurovision watch, because for me, every year is me watching it for the first time. Um, And so I don't know who wins most of the time. I, you know, am going in totally blind. But in this case, I mean, we talked about it before. Waterloo is was going to be the winner. Even I knew that as a relative newbie thanks to uh, the Eurovision movie, which is what brought us together in the first place.
1: (laughs) Indeed. And also it's mentioned in Love, Love, Peace, Peace.
0: Yes, of course. Yeah. So very well known. Um, So obviously we will be talking about that performance and others. But yes, our first foray into the 1970s Eurovisions was a big one and I enjoyed it immensely.
1: A lot of glam in this uh, year, I found.
0: Oh, I loved the fact I always loved the fashions of the, you know, the earlier eras of Eurovision. And this one was amazing, both in the way that everything the women wore was gorgeous and everything that the men wore was hilarious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so this was um, a British um, hosted Eurovision, but not because the UK won the previous year.
0: Right. Yes, I think you mentioned that, that uh, it was uh, a money thing. That, that
1: Yeah, so yeah, Luxembourg could not afford to host a second time in a row. So they were like, oh, guys, uh, we're, we're out of money. Can somebody <laughs> else do it? And BBC were like,
0: yeah. I think it might even have, it, this would have been a third year in a row, would it not? Did I misread that?
1: No, no, it would have been the second year. It, it would have been the second year of hosting in a row for luxembourg ah, i see yeah
0: well yeah can't blame them if they're going to go broke then uh you know rather than have a movie villain create an elaborate plot to blow up a yacht of all performers as was the premise of the Eurovision movie starring Will Ferrell instead they just said you know what we're not going to we're not going to uh host it this year so the yeah. uk stepped in
1: and and that is what blows a plot uh, what blows a hole in the entire plots for the Eurovision film because another country could host if um the winning country couldn't afford to host right (laughs) well yeah i mean luxembourg is a tiny country you know so it would be difficult understandably for them to host two years in a row and especially if luxembourg entered the contest now imagine imagine the scale of the contest they'd have to put on and how much it would cost to finance that i think they'd really struggle now which i think is maybe why they don't come back to the contest (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Like, so we ended up in the UK. And was this the first time the UK hosted Eurovision?
1: No, no, I'm sh- okay. certain we've hosted before then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they knew what they were in for when they stepped in. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and it was held in Brighton, uh, famously the home of the Brighton Pavilion made famous by Joe Black's dress. On Drag Race UK.
0: Right, exactly. And how Joe Black's dress uh, looked nothing like it. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so I can see where Ru was coming from. I know that he was going for one of the rooms inside, but it didn't translate, did it?
0: Did not, no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we digress.
1: Obviously, that's what we do.
0: Um, right. So, yeah.
1: As for sort of general vibe of the um, sort of show... It kind of I d I don't know how to describe it, it did feel very BBC.
0: Right. Very
1: sure. very sort of well spoken. Welcome to the BBC. This is the Eurovision Song Contest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um I agree. It did feel like uh an event. I think we were starting to move away from the a uh, school recital and into more of the like night uh, night at the symphony sort of vibe as we're moving through the the timeline this well it was fun though it was like it felt uh less stuffy than some yeah. of the others that we have seen of like the earlier eras like it was it was fun and i i honestly think you know in no small part uh that was ava's performance in general there were some other sort of fun upbeat performances but like Man, that just like it was such a fun, upbeat, pick me up of a performance. Like it just felt light and fun.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it definitely felt very seventies. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going <laughs> to be referencing glam rock a lot during this episode. I think.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. We had the host was Katie Boyle, uh, so it's her fourth time presenting uh, the Eurovision Song Contest. So she has that awfully terribly posh. British RP accent. Which I can't do because I'm too common.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I thought she was uh fine. Yes. You know, I think she was clearly a seasoned presenter. As you say, she carried herself very regally as a you know, a host of that era, I'm sure was, you know, supposed to. Uh it we it was lacking some of the uh sort of fun and charisma that um some of the more recent hosts exude and also in some instances fail to exude <laughs> but try you know <laughs> um so yeah it was like it was i think that it she did a very good job in the way that she was expected to present of that era
1: i loved her um when she was speaking french because it sounded very much like me doing my french speaking exam for gcses <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like she was like reading it off a card like written down phonetically <laughs>
0: There was one moment too where she really struggled. <laughs> it was at the end when she was um, announcing the the winner in French that she had to repeat herself several times. I think it was a mix of maybe f- her French not being quite as strong as some of the other hosts that we have seen, coupled with like the excitement of the of the winner. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there she had a moment there.
1: <laughs> I mean, if it was me, I'll be like, um, le abba, uh le win le congratulations i would <laughs> fish me like that
0: that is essentially you have just spoken like acadian french that is like <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh franglais we call it that is a lot a lot of uh um french speakers in canada combine the two so there you go
1: yeah i, I remember my french exam my french speaking exam for GCSEs very vividly we were allowed to um have like cue cards and we were allowed to first five sentences from each subject we were gonna be it's not the first five sentences the first five words from each subject we we're gonna talk about and then after that we were allowed to have as many drawings to help us as possible. So I created an entire cipher for it. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so anything where like a word would repeat or sound like it that would be above a word from the first five words. And then that would be there. So I basically wrote my own language to learn to to speak French in my exams. <laughs>
0: you wrote your own language basically yeah. instead of learning the language you were being tested on <laughs> it's just easier oh well, whatever whatever works right whatever works uh, right um so we
1: had the uh postcards which were really weird those postcards i, I think they these were are weird. early doors of a postcard um i think they'd only been doing them for a few years at this point um because I think there was one year where we had so few acts, they had to find something to do to fill the time. So that's where the postcards came from, as a time-filling exercise. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, like, jaunty music and sort of scenes from, um, you know, the artist's country and then them on stage in rehearsals or in press um, sort of uh, moments. And then the music suddenly cuts out and they're on stage. It was really yeah. weird. It didn't sort of taper down. It was just like ding, 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 ding. ding.
0: Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that you've hit the nail on the head. I think that it is likely that um in these early iterations of the postcards, it was like legitimately just a logistics thing in order to buy them time. Whereas um that is obviously still the case currently, except that they have you know, made it to a point where the postcards sort of become part of the show. And although some I like more than others, um, essentially the postcards in and of themselves are a production that they um, incorporate into the show. And we consider them to be um, like a a portion of of the show itself that contributes to it. Whereas this, it was like, I think it was like simply something to put on the screen to buy time and was not intended to be terribly interesting or because informative. Because it was <laughs> No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, everything starts somewhere. So we're seeing the early days and, yeah, it, they've come a long way.
1: Uh, yeah, so we had the postcards, very simple, functional. Um, some were more interesting than others, but all of them were pretty boring, I've got to be honest. Um, yeah. We'll we'll talk about my favorite postcard pretty soon, because let's start about talking about the acts. Okay. Um, let's go with you first. Did you find something you liked more than ABBA, or did ABBA...
0: ABBA took it.
1: ABBA took yes.
0: it. <laughs> ABBA took it. And so I knew that this would happen, frankly. I mean, um, like there's the familiarity bias. It's a worldwide hit that has lasted through the years. I mean, like I think it would be hard pressed for any other um, song to top it. And I kind of knew that coming in, but I mean, even if, obviously i can't unknow what i know i can't you know i can't unlisten to it and pretend i'm listening to it for the first time but i do think that if i were able to do that if i were listening to it for the first time here that i would still be picking this song i think it was you know far and away the best song on 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 the stage that night uh yeah i mean i bought it
1: second
0: did you yeah scandal I had to
1: be really honest with myself and think, "What there's two songs I really enjoy here, which am I more likely to choose to listen to myself off my own back?" And I found something that I preferred, but I mean, it's it's by a.
0: What is your number one?
1: Tiny margin. So, for my number one. I put uh, Netherlands. uh,
0: Netherlands. I (laughs) knew you were going to put the Netherlands.
1: (laughs) and McNeil with I See a Star. I mean, I I think I was just instantly sort of drawn to him uh, by the uh, chap um, and his just warmth. He just exuded warmth and positivity. Yes. Um, He just looked so friendly and I wanted to hang out with him. And just, he seems like he'd be a right laugh down at an old man pub.
0: I agree. I really liked this one as well. I did not put it um, first or second. I put it fourth.
1: Well, that's pretty um, good.
0: Pretty good. Yeah, I did really enjoy it. And I, I uh, suspected that this is the one that you would like just as much as, or more than ABBA. Um, Am I that predictable? <laughs> well, I'm not always very good at picking, but this one I didn't know. Um, but I completely agree. It was the... Uh, male performer's singing voice was so like rich and inviting, and from the get-go, and it was just this fun, light-hearted performance with like a crank organ. um It was it was delightful. He,
1: he was clearly overjoyed to be on that stage. Yeah, and, yeah, you can and feel it. Like every other sort of postcard, I can't remember what happens in their postcard. They're out on the, I think the greens in sort of outside Brack Pavilion. He's pushing her around in some sort of contraption, having a whale yeah. of a time. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a puppet on top of the crank organ, right? You know, so he spins, turns like the handle on it, and it spins round and sort of flicks the guy, um, in front behind the crank organ in the face of a hare when it thinks it spins around. Yeah. <laughs> um, he really reminds you like a Roy Wood from a uh, wizard. I don't know if a wizard ever made it over there uh their um, big hit was I, I, think uh, so. I wish it could be christmas every day
0: yeah i think that that rings a bell but i yeah. don't know
1: there's something yeah. about glam rock and christmas isn't there
0: there is hey um <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah it was just joyful and um you know that song apparently um was presented as being a love duet uh with the singers telling each other that their love has helped them see the world in a new way and the star of the title is in other words to be found in one one's lover's eyes however that's all. A, that's also a story, uh. Because uh, Mouth the uh, fella, um, he said many years later that in, in an interview that the song is about the similarities between falling in love and using cannabis, because you know ah. from the Netherlands makes sense,
0: right? <laughs> makes sense. No wonder he's so happy. He's <laughs> um. <laughs> just a
1: big old 70s stoner.
0: Yeah, I de- there was definitely a hippie vibe with, uh, you know, a few of these performers. Of course, it's the 70s, so that's, you know, bound to happen. But I feel like none more so than Mouth. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that was my favorite. But your favorite was um, famously ABBA with Waterloo. Um,
0: yes, that is true. So if I were to take, um, you know, if I were to take Waterloo out of the equation, um, my second Favorite was Spain.
1: Uh, Paret? Pare? Pare. I think Pare uh, would canta y se... uh, My Spanish is terrible. Uh, canta y se feliz. Canta. I'm going to try it again. Canta y se filete. uh Sing and be happy.
0: Yes, I loved that one. I thought that that was delightful. I can tell by your face you didn't like it.
1: No? I it I love this song. Oh, you
0: did. I th- I knew you were looking at me somehow, but I thought <laughs> usually we're not on the same page. But I thought that it was such a delight. It was so upbeat. And it was that chorus where the background singers, they um sort of like pick up this unexpected beat and then clap their fingers like, yeah. you know, cantonets or whatever. Like, I just thought it was so nice. Yeah. So fun. I,
1: I, I really enjoyed his microphone sort of nestled into his cravat tie.
0: Yes, I have. <laughs> a note on that like in in the 70s i guess like um small microphones weren't a thing so he just had a full size mic strapped to
1: him the 70s equivalent of a britney mic yeah
0: Exactly, exactly. Just, just nestled into his cravat.
1: I'm gonna ask for the, one of those for uh, my day job because I've got like a headset with a Britney mic for when I'm on the phone to customers. I want yeah. like a full microphone, like an SM fifty eight, nestled <laughs> in a cravat tie. <laughs> there you
0: go. There but, you go. Um,
1: no, I mean, th- I mean that really picked things up because that was fairly early in the um, running order. I think it was third in the running order.
0: Yes, it was.
1: So I think we started off with some nice songs, but nothing that was upbeat. I think the first two songs were quite lovely, but get to that third song, could get a bit of Catalan rumba. You know, he's sort yeah. of flipping the guitar around, throwing it hand to hand, percussive stuff on the guitar. It's a bit one note, but I mean, it really got me sort of dancing in my seat
0: yes i and i enjoyed it a lot it had me moving the first two songs were um finland and united kingdom uh so you're right so finland was um it was i can't i can't recall the name of the performer
1: uh bear with me it was yeah uh, carita with keep me warm because i've got that yes
0: uh, so she times. was singing at a piano, so it was quite low key. And then United Kingdom had Olivia Newton-John, which was like, we got all the, you know, stars coming yes. out in 1974.
1: And um, we'll certainly be talking about the UK.
0: Yes, we will. But yeah, so that one a little bit more upbeat. So we're kind of like progressing on an upward tra- trajectory. But then this one comes out and it really kind of, it sparks some life into uh, into it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So, your number two. So, uh, we've not really discussed Abba that much. Uh, do
0: you know it's their conductor? No, I didn't.
1: Came out dressed as Napoleon.
0: Oh yes, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I, I did notice that he was dressed as Napoleon. I also loved um, the outfits on uh, on Abba. The um, sort of like. The vibe of the evening was most of the female performers were in gowns and in true 70s fashion. They were sort of like chiffon gowns that read kind of like night, nightgown-ish, which I loved. They were gorgeous, but they all kind of had a bit of a similar vibe. And then like, you know, ABBA comes out and they're like full glam rock. They're, you know, knee-high boots and satin, you know, pants. And it was just so fun.
1: Uh, Talk about glam rock, everyone thinks that ABBA was a pop band. Clearly... Waterloo, that's a glam rock song, if ever I heard one. Yeah? That is absolute glam rock. I mean, you've got <laughs> the guy on the guitar with the spiky guitar, their outfits. And I, I, I was like thinking about it, like it's like straight out of glam rock, like the Slade and the Sweet. And I looked it up. Um, so Abba originally cited the song See My Baby Jive uh, by Wizard, as I mentioned before, mm. as a major influence for the song. So... Clearly, a glam rock song. Uh, nobody a ever song. nobody ever addresses about like that Abba or a glam rock band.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. We're I'm rewriting
1: history here. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Abba is a glam rock band, and this was their first glam rock performance, likely.
1: Yep. Abba and uh, and uh, Justin Hawkins from the Darkness. They need to do a a duet now.
0: Yes. Oh my God! Eurovision is bringing glam rock to life. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we've really had a lot of glam rock lately, haven't we? Yeah, I don't mind.
0: I didn't even know I was a glam rock fan, but here I am. Just, I mean, <laughs> I just didn't know what to call it, but welcome I just know to, what I like.
1: Welcome to Think About Eurovision, a glam rock podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, in third for me, I had Paré, Canter Il Se felice. So, So, um, who do you have in third place?
0: In third place, I have Italy with uh, C.
1: See that that's an interesting one. I I like that song. I put it um, fifth. So we're pretty close on our tops this time.
0: We we really are. Because you
1: say you put uh, Netherlands fourth. Yes. Does that mean our top five are each we have the same top five in different orders?
0: Um, I don't know. So uh, my fifth in the top oh, five no. is German Germany.
1: Ah, Yeah, no, we got one. We've got out of our top five, we have four that are in the. the we share five. We share four out of five in our top five.
0: I think that's the closest we've ever been. I think
1: it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, C actually was a band in Italy um, from the broadcast. They had they cut it out. Uh,
0: sorry, one more time.
1: Yeah, they, they uh the Italian song C uh by oh yes yes uh Gigliola Cinquetti. I sorry uh, if you. Well, in the unlikely circumstance you're listening to this podcast or anyone with the same name as her. I'm sure, sorry, I can't pronounce that <laughs> name. Um but yeah, um it was actually banned in Italy uh, by the national broadcaster RAI. Uh, because uh, the um Eurovision nineteen seventy-four coincided with a campaigning for the nineteen seventy-four Italian referendum on divorce, which was held a month later in May. So they were concerned that the name and the lyrics of a song with her saying C si, it's Italian for yes. Yes. Could yeah. be accused of being a subliminal message, um, and a form of propaganda to ref- influence the Italian public to vote yes in a referendum.
0: I read about that. That is crazy. There was actually like there are a few sort like it's scandalous uh things that occurred in 1974, one of which is is this one that I read about. And that's so interesting. So um, the word see or yes was said uh, 16 times in this song, I think. So yeah, like, they're like, you're brainwashing the Italian public to vote yes. And you know what, it's uh, like the, I mean, better safe than sorry, because no was the better way to vote on that. <laughs> it was like do you want to uh repeal uh your ability to divorce and the answer would be no please continue to give me the right to do that um so fair enough
1: you did a bit more digging than me because i i probably i wrongly assumed that it was saying do you want to be able to divorce people but you did more digging Uh, than me
0: Yeah, no. So I read that it was like three years prior, they had introduced the ability to divorce. And so the referendum was, should we take away this ability? Yes or no. And so no was the better, uh, you know, like, yeah. And uh, and of course, that is the way that it voted. But like, okay, so better safe than sorry in this case, (laughs) then for the subliminal messaging. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. um, So, I mean, I like that song because it was almost in places a bit Kate Bush. Like it was playing with sort of interesting sort of time signatures and tempos. It was quite dramatic. So half I don't the know song.
0: Yeah.
1: <gasps> I'm sorry, you don't know Kate Bush.
0: <laughs> no. No, I'm sorry. I... Tell me who she is.
1: I'm shocked and offended. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Bush, like um, Wuthering Heights.
0: I don't know why I knew No, nothing.
1: No, nothing. Uh, Babushka?
0: Uh, that sounds familiar. All
1: yours, babushka, 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 yay, yay. That's nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, <maybe.
0: laughs>
1: uh, Running up that hill? No. Hounds of Love? No idea. You are missing out. <laughs> Kate, I mean, Ginny Lemon's a massive Kate Bush fan, but... Kate Bush is one of the best British British artists of the uh, 1900s. I would say.
0: Okay, I gotta. I've gotta oh, look her up.
1: I will be sending you some links to great music because <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know Kate Bush. Like some of the things I reference, I'm like, yeah, I would understand you not knowing that, but Kate Bush. What if she never made it in Canada?
0: I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, to my knowledge. She is not well known here, but of course, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know be. everything that every Canadian would know. <laughs> but um, but I do agree that there were some interesting sort of like, uh, I don't know, changes in timing throughout the song that I, that I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, no, it was um, really good. Like half, I would say, not even half, I'd say like three quarters of a song I really enjoyed. A quarter of it was a bit boring ballad material, so I was like, yeah. <laughs> But those interesting sort of bits where it's playing with tempo and time and sort of, you know, like sort of going from quiet to loud and belty. I like that. Bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I liked that also.
1: Um, and we've also mentioned Karita uh, briefly. So I put uh, Finland, Karita, keep me warm fourth. Um, I just really enjoyed it. I haven't got many notes in it, but I did enjoy it, it was like a bit of wah-wah guitar in the background. Which,
0: uh, yeah low in so, the mix
1: but it made it really sort of interesting to listen to
0: um i actually like uh i wanted to try to find a sample of that exact thing that i think that you're describing so that i could raise it because i was like that is such like a signature 70s like um i don't know clip that's yeah. and so it reminds me of like shaft You know, the theme song The Shaft, which could not be a more different song than this one that we're talking about from Finland, Keep Me Warm. But it had that same kind of like, I I wish I could do it like a. Yes, (laughs) Exactly. exactly. It's so quintessential 70s that I loved that that was thrown into this otherwise piano ballad that. Um, it just gave it this extra something. And I think I it was so
1: low in the mix, you would only notice if you kind of really intently listen to it. If you were listening to it like background music, you probably wouldn't pick up on it. But right, I think when you really sort of listen to it to sort of pick things apart, like, oh, that's an interesting little bit. Just low in the mix, just gives yes. it a little bit of an edge.
0: So that's where we differed. Finland, uh, I had uh, uh, Finland middle of the pack and Finland rounded out your top five, I think fourth... For you, whereas I had Germany, so those were the ones we differed in our top five.
1: Yeah, so Germany sent Cindy and Bert with the uh, summer melody. So, any idea what that translates into?
0: Um, summer melody, yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> such a difficult language is German sometimes. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so in my this was the 70s version of a man and a woman sort of mooning at each other, which you know is something <laughs> oh, yeah, that I have a soft spot right for.
1: I've gotta be honest, I had to listen to it a few times to actually find anything to kind of comment on because I just found it completely meh. And the only thing I sort of know about is like he looked like a leprechaun in his green suit.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were very green.
1: <laughs> I, I just didn't um, have any strong opinion over it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to say that uh I, even though I put it top five, I have less less to say about this than I do of my other um top fives, but except to say that I just liked it. It was, you know, the nothing particularly uh, you know, spectacular that stood out to me. It was just like, I just liked it. <laughs> um, but uh Yeah, I could see why maybe it's not entirely your cup of tea, because uh, it's a little more basic. Yeah. Basic fare.
1: Talking about basic, shall we uh, move on to shitting on some countries and look at our bottoms?
0: Yes, we should.
1: (laughs) So I'm going to shit on my own country first. I really didn't (laughs) like the UK's entry.
0: Me either. I'm I'm sorry.
1: I'm really sorry, UK. And I know this predates Greece. Um, the film I, I don't know if it predates the stage musical Grease, Greece and I know it predates uh, Olivia Newton-John's song physical right but what the shitting fuck was that
0: can I just um <laughs> say that you know who else hated that song
1: did you hate that song
0: I mean I hated that song but so did Olivia Newton-John apparently
1: yes and I don't blame <laughs> her because it's no garbage and I'm sorry I, I got angry. I was... Because I'd never heard a song before. I was like, oh, and Living you new and John. The UK's taking a risk. They're going to send someone who's, like, famously does kind of sexy music back then.
0: Yeah. No. And
1: send this upar bollocks. I'm like... What is this? umpar? Like, German... Kind, kind of sound like German umpar band at times.
0: Oh, yeah. So, is yeah. that, like... Okay, so I don't know the terminology, but what I have in my... I have, like... Um, the tuba beat. Of yeah. Like, who, <laughs> <laughs> I hate it.
1: I hate it. I was like, oh, here we go. A famous Brit. Oh, Australian Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> but, um. was <laughs> I, I mean, born, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't uh complain about that too much. I mean, one of my favorite songs was from an Australian for the UK. uh. But I was just so excited and I was so let down. It made me angry. Um. yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all.
0: I didn't either. I put it 13th out of 17, so it was low on my list, but not the bottom bottom.
1: Yeah. Uh, What do you have on your absolute bottom?
0: Um, I have Belgium in my absolute bottom so um i could describe this song in very much the way that you just described germany which for me was just like it had no impact i just did not i mean i didn't care about it at all it didn't even register a tune to me where i was like able to sort of like hum along after the fact it just kind of i glazed over the whole thing
1: so I put uh, Belgium, so Jacques Huston with Fleur de Liberty, so Flower of Liberty. I put that 15th, so not much above you. And my notes are very much the same. I literally put in my first go pass over, uh, this song achieves nothing and goes nowhere. I need to re-listen <laughs> for talking points because i have going to have nothing to say for when we discuss our bottom songs. Right. <laughs> because it goes nowhere. It achieves nothing. Uh, All I could find... Um, my second sort of rewatch was it's got some nice runs on the guitar, and he looks mm. like a long lost Osmond brother.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see that, <laughs> <laughs> like the long hair, the yeah. big lapel. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. Um. And just across the water in sixteenth place, Iport Island. So Tina Reynolds would cross your heart. And that's the one with that went la 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 forever.
0: Yeah, I did not dislike that one as much as you did. I put it middle of the pack, but certainly not anywhere near my favorite.
1: No, and like the the key change uh with the la la la's felt so cheesy, and they should feel bad for it.
0: <laughs> so sorry, was Ireland your bottom bottom?
1: No, uh that's sixteenth. My bottom was the UK, absolute bottom. It was the UK. Okay, I mean I shock horror, Chris puts the UK absolute bottom.
0: <laughs> okay, and I know that we're not talking about voting yet, but this was something that you had said previously when you were like, surprise, surprise, the UK did not give any points to the winning song. Did I imagine that the UK did not give any points to uh Sweden?
1: I can't imagine we didn't give Sweden any points, but let's check the scoreboard. Uh, no, we, we didn't give any points to Sweden because we apparently have ears that are painted on.
0: Like, I think there was absolute, like, astounded gasps in the audience when the UK did not award any points to Sweden, which is what made me, you know, sort of take note because uh, I was like wow Chris is right that is very shocking
1: yeah I mean the United Kingdom Greece um uh Monaco Belgium and Italy did not give uh, Sweden any points so all countries with garbage tasting music it must it must be the case. <laughs>
0: Well, I didn't really notice on the others. It was only because you made particular note of the fact that the UK has a history of not giving points to the winning song that that I thought that was interesting.
1: I mean, when we've had like internal, like national selections, we've chosen the wrong song many a time. So I am not surprised by this behavior from the British people.
0: Right. Well, and so this was or the one, British apparently. jury. <laughs> Yeah, the um, the there were apparently other songs that Olivia Newton-John far preferred to this one, but this was the song that was voted in, and so this is the song she had to perform. But I'm not familiar with any of the other songs, of course, but like, I feel like Olivia Newton-John has good taste and judgment, and therefore I expect she was right.
1: Yeah, I actually did have a listen to that via um, uh, uh, runner-up Angel Eyes, which was her favourite. That was a, a much better um, song. Uh, and it's actually quite weird how they... I, 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 Never thought they did like national selections back then We like public choice, but people had to actually watch it on a uh, Jimmy Savile, uh, on his show Clunk Click. Um, and then they had to mail in their votes. Oh, The past was such a weird time.
0: That is weird.
1: I, I, I know we couldn't have done it any other way because, you know, access to a telephone and the cost of using one might have been a problem. But it's that's so weird that that's how it had to be done. Such a different
0: time, yeah, <laughs> crazy.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, so I I put uh Belgium fifteenth, uh, and my sixteenth place was Ireland. So who else have you got on your bottoms?
0: Uh, so in sixteenth place for me was uh Israel. Um, this was another one where I I feel like I couldn't even really find a tune. It felt very bland to me. It was just um sort of one note and bland um i did find it interesting that uh what i did read about this one was that um the band actually had six members in it but only six sorry seven Seven members members. but right only six are allowed on stage at the same time so the seventh member was the conductor uh, during this performance which is interesting
1: did you not think that did you get a bit of a cult kind of sinister culty kind of look from them they looked like they were a like, sort of cult pop band like as in a religious cult
0: yeah i don't know it was all kind of like very unemotive like there was very little emotion or passion that was coming out of it it was very bland in one-note and i mean like again i don't like judge a performance um based on what people are wearing though. I do love to see the fashions <laughs> and so and comment on them. And like the brown pants and sweater vests was just not it. Like everybody else was sort of like sparkly and uh, I don't know. They were they were st- stepping it up. The I sweater would, vests weren't doing it for me.
1: I would say if you imagined a cult uh, that sort of worshipped geography teachers, that's what they looked like. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally true. So apparently the this song, um, it was not known at the time. I don't think, but I don't know the specifics. But I read that it has since been confirmed by one of the members that there was a subtle political message in this. Yeah,
1: song. a political protest against the reign of the prime minister at the time, Golden Mayor. So
0: yeah, so I don't know what uh, like when I was reading about this, it didn't elaborate on how. Um, you know what lyrics in particular it was uh, you know political in nature but interesting that they were able to sort of you know wriggle it in there
1: yes that was the israeli song uh, poogie with uh i gave her my life i'm not gonna try and pronounce it in her language so i will go for english translation on that one
0: right yeah (laughs) um
1: yeah like i say a bit sort of a cult-ish look and reminded me musically of jesus is a friend of mine I don't know if you that. So it was like this Christian ska band. I think called Sonseed, if I remember rightly, who have a song that called called Jesus a, Is Jesus Is a Friend of Mine. And visually and sort of musically it reminded me of that. Hmm. Um I also like that fact that because it was Israel, they put Hava Nagila on the postcard music.
0: Yes, I didn't notice that. <laughs>
1: like if you weren't if you weren't watching but you were listening, you'd know what country was coming up next with that.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: Um so who else have you got in your bottoms?
0: Um. So rounding out my bottom three, the third one was Luxembourg.
1: Yeah, I've put them pretty low down. So, oh, yeah, I put Israel 14th and Luxembourg. Uh, Irene Shear with Bye Bye, I love you. I put 13th.
0: Yeah, this was one where, I mean, again, I don't have the musical technical knowledge to be able to describe what the beat is that I'm referring to. But in a similar way that we were describing the kind of like, <laughs> beat of the UK. There was kind of like uh, just this, I don't know, staccato
1: like, banjo sound.
0: Yes, and it just repeated over and over and over on this one, and it grated on me, and it just wasn't my favorite.
1: I also didn't like the feel that the uh, sort of pre chorus sounded very much like boom banger bang. It went dun 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 before going to the chorus, like, and it was almost like my heart goes boom banger bang, boom banger bang. bang. Kind of that sort of rhythm. I was like, hmm, I've heard that before. Only five years prior.
0: (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was, uh, those rounded out my my bottoms.
1: I think Luxembourg was always going to struggle because they had to follow up ABBA. Yeah. How do you follow that?
0: I don't envy them that position, (laughs) that's for sure.
1: No. Um, I just want to give a a sort of shout out to a returning um, singer. Uh, for Monaco, this time, uh, Remould from the 1969 Eurovision Song Contest.
0: Oh, I didn't You enjoyed remember. his striped
1: suit, remember rightly.
0: Right, yes.
1: A very, very much a nothing song, but it was nice to see a familiar face.
0: Nice to see you again, Remould.
1: But not representing the same country as uh, 1969, where he represented Luxembourg. This time he was representing Monaco.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: A tiny country who would be able to afford to host the contest a few years in a row, I think.
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, Um, yeah, that's uh, I would not have noticed that, but now that you pointed out, I think I do remember Remold from nineteen
1: sixty nine. Yeah, and I think we also need to speak about Portugal's song, uh, which I put middle of the pack, so I put in ninth. But that mediocrity started a revolution
0: i know this is absolutely bonkers i did actually enjoy this song quite a bit i have it sixth um so it was kind of a lounge singer vibe that we have talked about in the past that i enjoy and you do not very
1: inoffensive music i didn't hate it i didn't love it it just stirred nothing in me yeah reading about it um so that song was aired on the radio on uh, on the 20th, 24th of April 1974 at 10:55 um to as a secret signal um to rebel captains and soldiers to begin what became known as the Carnation Revolution to get rid of the ven dictator
0: is that not so crazy Yeah, so this song and then another one, this song was the signal to start preparing. And then there was a second song that did not have any Eurovision um, connection that was the signal to actually like move out or whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah, so this is a song that started a revolution. How crazy is that? And of course, when you think back in the day, back in the 70s, I mean, the technology would not be there for everyone to like sync up cell phones and stuff, right? So it has to be something that's readily available, a song on the radio where the TV would do that so
1: and that was the song wow. that came
0: last wow yeah
1: Um. Uh, so yeah uh it, it's a very novel way to go about it and it started that what was known as carnation revolution where no shots were fired basically by the um the rebels and when they they sort of it was a peaceful revolution the only shots fired and four people were sadly killed by um the secret police um, wow, yes, so you know uh, um, if you've ever sort of seen images of like uh carnations in the muskets of the guns, that's where it's from,
0: very interesting eurovision there's so like there is so much like political intrigue in this year of Eurovision. I found it fascinating,
1: yeah, um and I've got like some books on like uh politics and Eurovision, how it connects, and it doesn't even mention half of the things that came from this year,
0: wow. It literally wow, only crazy.
1: focuses on um, the Portuguese entry. It's
0: well, really weird. that is a biggie. That is a biggie. <laughs> it's it's but... quite a big one, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. So the uh, the other note that I have that is of political relevance, you know, sort of, was the fact that France uh, did not participate in this year um, because they had a, the death of their president. And so chose not to participate because they felt it wouldn't be appropriate um but yeah so i i was wondering why france was not was not performing yeah
1: i was just checking my uh poster and that's the uh one of only two times france has not competed in the eurovision song contest i wow. couldn't read the uh, numbers it's too far away from me without my glasses to read what year the other one wasn't <laughs> but i could see a w for withdrew uh for
0: 1974
1: wow so they've uh i think they've I'm guessing they've done the most, I think. Um, France, I think they've taken part in the most contests. No. Uh, no, it looks like Switzerland has been in every single one. Uh, glance. Wow. Uh, a quick glance upwards. I think Switzerland has been in every one. Um,
0: well, a lot happening in 1974,
1: for sure. Indeed. Um, so let's talk about the Interval Act, the Wombles. Did, you, did, did that mean anything to you, the Wombles?
0: no and i i was like what the hell am i watching right now
1: um so the wombles was a uh kids show uh back in the 1970s and i feel it was recently revived as well i'll have to check that um so the wombles are these little fuzzy creatures who live um in wimbledon common in london uh, they live underground there and they come out and they make things with the rubbish that uh, humans leave behind. So it's like an eco-friendly message from the Wombles. Uh, they were like the first recyclers.
0: So the Wombles is a TV show. Is it a cartoon or is it like puppet I, or suits like we saw in the Interval Act?
1: Um, I believe it's stop motion. Let me just double check. I'm certain it's stop motion. Um, oh,
0: I see. So they the, the TV show is about these Wombles who come out at night and make things out of garbage.
1: Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, stop motion animated British TV series made between 1973 and
0: 1975. So, so was it so ubiquitous of the time that like it needed, like you know, was it like everyone knew what the Wombles were, and so it made perfect sense for the Wombles to be the interval act? It still feels weird.
1: <laughs> I would argue, yes. Yeah. So, um, I've seen the Wombles live. I must add that as well. Which is a weird sense, a thing to say out loud, but I have seen the Wombles live.
0: Oh, uh, this was like so it was a stage show. It yeah, was so, the whole thing. Okay. Uh,
1: so yeah, the Wombles are creatures that live underground and collect and recycle human rubbish. Um, uh, but they, the spin-off from the Wombles, a TV series, which I feel like every British person has heard of the Wombles, no matter of the age. I'd say every British person born before the two thousands has probably heard of them. Wow. Through their parents, if not uh you know from living through it yeah uh but yeah so they also had the wombles band um so the song that they sort of performed as a sort of video was a theme tune to the wombles tv show uh but the wombles still up until fairly recently gigged in those costumes um i i mean i don't think they were playing the instruments really when i saw them I would argue they were probably not even... Uh, I mean, you don't have to lip sync when you're wearing that Womble costume.
0: I would wager that they weren't even real Wombles. They... But they... That, no,
1: no, this is slander against Wombles. <laughs> not going to have it. Um, but yeah, they've had quite a few songs. Like They've had um, a Christmas song, uh, like a Wombling Merry Christmas, remember rightly? Um, they had a Remember You're a Womble. Remember you're a Womble, remember you're a Womble. Kind of a glam rock kind of vibe, actually. The Wombles.
0: Oh, the theme continues.
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, they had four albums. There's four albums. So there's Wombling Songs, Remember You're a Womble, Keep on Wombling, and Super Wombling.
0: Wow. They really milked it. They,
1: they milked it, yeah. <laughs> 1974, they released... Oh, my God, they released so many songs in 1974. In 1974, they remember released... Remember You're a Womble, Banana Rock, Wombling Summer Party, uh, Minueto Allegretto, which is a complete left-field one, Mm -hmm. Remember You're a Womble, and, as I said before, Wombling Merry Christmas. They're all the A-sides. There were B-sides, I suppose, as well. So, yeah, they were releasing music and singles up until 1976, and then 1998, they re-released Remember You're a Womble. With a dance mix of it as well, because 1998, (laughs) of course, you need a dance remix of Remember You're a Womble.
0: Of course. (laughs) 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 Well, even after knowing all of that history, I still have to say it feels like an interesting choice to me to have the interval act of Eurovision be... The Wombles. <laughs> but, I mean, I can't say I didn't enjoy it. I didn't know what was happening, but I I, I was entertained.
1: I think it's a, definitely a, an interesting choice of them to send something that might not translate to anywhere other than the UK. Right. Um, <laughs> I said, I've just got a feeling. Let's have a look. Mm. See, I'm surprised. Yeah, you know what I said about they the relaunched the Wombles? Mm. Um. It was acquired by a Canadian company, uh, Cinar Films, in 1996. And a new series of The Wombles was created. So The Wombles, um, in the uh, late 90s, was a Canadian-British animated series.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: I did think that. I was just thinking, I'm sure, like, a lot of things back in the 90s were Canadian-British. I remember loads of, like, uh, British kids' TV having, like, um, like Canadian credits on it. And, like, made you know... Um, conjunction with like film canada and things like that yes i was like i'm I'm sure i'm not remembering not not, uh making that up in my head but yeah
0: okay i'm looking it up um i think that like it was both before my time in the uk and after my time in canada so i think maybe i just missed the whole wombles phenomenon um yeah i have no (laughs) idea (laughs)
1: But yeah. I, this
0: I, looks familiar to me.
1: It was a bizarre choice of interval act because it wasn't even an interval act. It was an interval sort of film because it was a featurette inserted into the middle of a show. Right. Uh, and that was it for the interval. Um, the first, Recyclers, the Wombles.
0: The Wombles. Okay. And then we got into voting.
1: Yeah. Um, not a great deal to sort of comment on, I found. Um, I, nope. I like that these sort of. Uh, uh, they didn't me- explain the voting procedure, uh, which was good. You said 10 uh, person jury for each country. Each juror gives, and Katie Board said, uh, the song of his choice, one point. I noticed
0: that too. I, I noticed like, that too.
1: Oh, is it a sausage fest? Is it in the juries? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It was the 70s.
1: Yeah. Um, and I-, I like they also mentioned that the juries can't follow the results, like the broadcasts have been switched off of the juries, so they couldn't amend their scores. To help another country win their score, I mean, I would just like taking the you know let them watch and taking the uh, the scorecards away from them. That would have been easier and let them follow it.
0: But then I guess they would have had to have Eurovision representatives in every country to like take and guard the scorecards.
1: I guess so. Yeah, true. Um. So they spoke about the possibility of losing contact with with um a, a, a head juror as well. Which is yes, really weird. Yes, and
0: that did happen before, didn't it? Where it has, was a- yeah. Yeah.
1: Would have had to, you know, they'd lost contact and maybe had to sort of try him again later on. Yeah. Uh, so it, it does happen. It was uh, interesting to see him sort of uh, mention it. Uh, uh, I, I did notice that uh, with the um, scoreboards, when Finland gave Yugoslavia one vote, uh, they missed it. And they had to sort of swipe through all of the uh, numbers again to get back to one.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, those old school scoreboards are like, I just picture some poor soul behind the scenes with like a broom <laughs> handle, just like, you know, trying to get the numbers to to be right. I, I it's would, so easy today.
1: I would love to see what's happening behind the scenes there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but um,
1: I think there might have been a mistake with Alan, but I really couldn't tell.
0: Oh, I didn't notice. It got a
1: little bit confusing. Yeah, I got confused at one point. I was like, have they made a mistake? But I just couldn't follow it again to see if it was a mistake. Well,
0: it, uh, it's interesting because there were a lot of ties in the actual results. We had a three-way tie for fourth place, a two-way tie for seventh place, a two-way tie for ninth place, and a four-way tie for 14th place. So yeah. a single mistake of a single vote, you know, if that were the case with Ireland, for instance, it would have bumped them up as a... Uh, you know, like it it would have changed the results. So yeah, I mean, it makes hopefully so much, there wasn't.
1: It it makes so much more sense of voting, sort of way we've got now, rather than yeah. you know just give your favorite song one point because you do result, you, you you do run the risk of ties. Obviously, for first anything past first place, it doesn't really matter, right? But I'm sure everyone wants to know. Oh, I tied. Oh, I thought our song was better than you know. I, I'm sure, like uh, German like. Yeah, our songs better than Switzerland. But they'll never right. know. And it's
0: but and it's not even infrequent, right? I mean, like what did I just say? There were four four for bottom to- place? Four for bottom place, yeah, exactly. And I mean, and on there were four different places, fourth, seventh, ninth, and fourteenth. Yeah. That all resulted in ties. So the total number of performances that were tied were Eleven, of seventeen, of them. yeah, majority exactly. Like, you know, they clearly had to change those rules, and I'm glad they did eventually. Because you're right, even though it doesn't really make sense, there's, or I'm sorry, it doesn't really matter. There's only one winner. If I were a performer, I would still want to know. Absolutely. Um.
1: So yeah, we had um, ABBA win the 1974 Eurovision Song Contest. I would say a well-deserved. I'm not going to argue that it was an undeserved win. Not my favorite as we look over it, but yes, I think that might be because I'm contrary. Sometimes I'm like, I want to find something I like more than the winning song. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Well, undeniably, it is a great song um, that has, you know, lasted the test of time. And like, so thank you, Eurovision, for bringing the world ABBA, um, because that was, uh, you know, that was a pretty, like, Crazy song to have coming out of the Eurovision Song Contest, and so this song. Correct me if I'm wrong. I read this in passing, but I think that there was a vote for the you know the best Eurovision Song Contest song of all time that happened at the 50th anniversary, and this song was voted the one.
1: It was, yeah. Um, and I ran a similarly scientific study on my Twitter account a few years ago. I did a World Cup of Eurovision Song Contest winners, so I I did um. I did sort of uh, groups of four songs. And oh, then yeah. past that, we we had, uh, you know, two progress and then the bottom two knocked out. And then I we went to um, playoffs and it came down to, in the end, uh, Abba for, with Waterloo versus uh, Lorene with Euphoria and Abba still won.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's a
1: scientific process, I've got to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, I mean, like, that sounds like so much fun. There's actually, um, so my, my sister-in-law, she has a group of friends that, you know, she's uh, been close with since uh, university, but they don't all live in the same city, right? So they, you know, they see each other when they can, but they do have a tradition. Um, every March, they do Hot Guy March Madness. So um it's all hot guys and they do exactly <laughs> they do exactly that right so it'll be like head to head competition and then like they vote and then like the hot the hottest guy moves on until they you know like eventually land on one so uh it's just for fun but like i mean you can't argue science so <laughs> FYI hot guy march madness um the number one winner for 2021 was Chris Hemsworth and also the winner of Chris's scientific study was Waterloo. So, can't argue science. So, can't does that mean science.
1: that if Chris Hemsworth did a cover of Waterloo, the world would go crazy for it?
0: Well, our heads would explode. <laughs> That's right, yes.
1: <laughs> well then, time to uh, announce what our next episode is. Ooh. And... I've just been looking over the release uh, dates for episodes um, to find out where, what we need to do, because obviously we got the 2021 contest coming up. Yep. And our next episode will drop on the um, 18th of, well, our main episode, next main episode will drop on the 18th of May, which is the first semi-final for the 2021 Eurovision Song Contest. So we're going to see the contest that took us to the Netherlands, and we're going to the 2019 Eurovision Song Contest next. <gasps>
0: Ooh, okay, I'm excited. So this is the most current song contest that is available uh, to watch since 2020. Sadly, didn't happen, but we did our own version of that anyway. So, yeah, like,
1: we we found out that Davy Frey won for Iceland.
0: That's right. Um, but this is exciting to see. Like, this is the the most current one. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it.
1: So that's uh, the Eurovision Song Contest 2019 in Tel Aviv, Israel. Nice. Right then. Uh, so, until next time.
0: Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: right then. So, um, coming up to the end of our Drag Race chats for this year. So, un- unless, you know, they do a surprise twist and they... Star more episodes i wouldn't put it past them them.
0: yeah (laughs) Uh.
1: (laughs) um so uh, we had um drag race um series 13 episode 910 (laughs) Henny, i shrunk the drag queens um so that was the one where they had to do an acting challenge um about based on honey i shrunk the quids uh, a film i've never seen
0: You've never seen Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? This is how I felt when you hadn't heard
1: of Kate Bush.
0: (laughs) It is crazy to me that you have not seen that movie. That was like, that was a definite (laughs) part of my childhood. Um yeah, I thought that this was a fun challenge. Uh I do think that there is sometimes a level of repetitiveness in the challenges. It's not a complaint because I generally like them. Um but there is an element of repetitiveness with so many um seasons and then, you know, so many series. But but this was entirely unique. We haven't seen one like this before and I thought it was very fun. Um uh on the whole, I agreed with the judging on this one. Um which was that uh, Olivia Lux gave us the same character we have seen many, many times from her. And um, I think that we had mentioned last week that we both felt like Olivia Lux was probably at risk of going home this week. And... We we predicted correctly. We did, yes.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, I like Olivia Lux and I think she'll be back for an All-Stars. Um, I, I watched... Watch, um, uh, I think it was... Bussy Queen has a video on the contracts for Drag Race. And oof, it's a doozy of a contract. Oh, really? It ties you in. It could tie you in for like forever, basically. Um, Like the sort of your sort of connection to the show. And not so much exclusivity, but the fact that you could be called back for All Stars. It right. then, So if you do a series, I think they've got like a sort of four-year tie-in with you. And if you get called back, your clock starts again. Oh, wow. So your connection to the show kind of starts that clock again, that countdown again. Uh, but yeah, I I could see her getting called back for all stars because she had a lot to, to give. And only been doing drag for like, was it about a year or something ridiculous?
0: Yeah, like a year and a half or something like that. I agree. I think that um, for, you know, someone in particular who's been doing drag for so little time um i thought that she did great i mean she made it to the top five she is beautiful she is likable i i enjoyed her in this season immensely but i did agree that it was her time to go and i think that it was like this the the judges had um commented that it was like an apologetic type of character where she's sort of um you know overly sweet and nice and apologetic is kind of the you know the um the default that she goes to and i think that that might stem from a lack of confidence and with a bit more confidence built there so that she has a bit more variety in where she um pulls inspiration from i think that she you know could be an absolute powerhouse so i'm not i think you're probably right on the all stars
1: and on the plus side you're gonna get a twenty five dollar check for miss congeniality isn't she
0: I'm sure she is, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so that will finance her All-Stars run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I can't say much about the challenge because a lot of the references were lost on me, <laughs> I think, because i I'd say...
0: Well, I mean, frankly, I don't think that there was all that much that was kind of like an Easter egg or a nod to Honey, I Shrunk uh, the Kids, except for the fact that like the premise was they got tiny, yeah. And, you know, like the... um, y- You know, the cat or like an animal being very big in proximity to like their smallness like that's kind of from the movie but um uh like all in all it was just kind of like a funny premise uh so correct me if i'm wrong because i have a history of having like memory lapses but <laughs> rosé won this one right yeah
1: i would have given it to gotmik i think gotmic did better really but i'm a complete gotmik stan
0: yeah i um i am definitely uh got mick number one for the win like she is my pick uh but i i do disagree on this one i think that rose was the uh was the the winner in my opinion though i mean if it had gone to got Mick if the judging went that way i wouldn't have been salty about it like yeah. she did she did an excellent job
1: and i also enjoyed that uh the runway challenge uh, also i i i i didn't get simone's i wasn't getting pockets from simone's look She looked like she was popping out of the fly from the front of a pair of jeans.
0: Um, I feel like I have to remind myself of the looks. It
1: was like she had like a blue sort of jean look, um, with uh red hair like Tina Burner.
0: Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I would say sort of I mean, I didn't dislike the, you know, Simone's look at all, but didn't dislike
1: it, but it didn't read pockets to me. Yeah. It read the zipper at the front of a pair of jeans. Right, right. Um, and less said about Candy Muse's uh, runway look, I think they're better.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Candy has had some interesting uh, looks this season. None more interesting than Lala Ree's bag look. But I mean, I actually feel like Candy Muse is a bit lucky that Lala Ree had that terrible bag look, or else. Um,
1: that would like, be the worst look of a season, I think.
0: Well, well I was going to go to Candy's like monster alien. Oh, I'd
1: forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right? There's been a couple.
1: So, uh, Candy, uh, when you see Lala read next, thank her.
0: <laughs> thank her for that. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> and then we go to uh, the penultimate sort of challenge episode, because there is a reunion episode to talk about uh, next time. But yeah. uh, to get in lucky where, oh my god, that song slapped.
0: I loved this. It has been a while since there was like a song that You know that they did in a finale or penultimate episode that I liked as much as this one and they always do one and like we were just talking about the UK one where we were like, you know, I liked it well enough, um, but we were our comments were like, the lyrics always feel pretty kind of shoehorned in and like it's kind of unavoidable it is what it is but like that, 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 that,
1: that, 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 that kind of rhythm.
0: Right, but, like, this one proved that it did not always have to be awkwardly, you know, um, timed and shoved in there. Like, this just slapped. This, I loved it.
1: This wasn't what I call drag queen music. Now, drag queen music is different from music made by drag queens. So, Trixie Mattel's music, um, uh, the music sort that of like Jinx Monsoon releases, that is music by drag queens. That is music first. The fact that they're a drag queen is secondary... In some sort of Trixie songs, not even relevant to the fact that, you know, Trixie's a drag queen. Trixie yeah. has really some just straight up country songs that are really right. good. And I don't like country music and I like Trixie's music. Yeah. Um, But drag queen music is this sort of stuff it's like, yes, I'm fierce. I'm going to talk over the music kind of music. It's not. Right. They're not singing. It's about sort of dance kind of club music with a drag queen speaking over it. Yeah. There's a lot of dragon music. This was a music first song.
0: It was so good. It was
1: very much like B-52s, kind of vintage, kind of pop. I wouldn't have been surprised if Trixie had a hand in writing the song, because it really? sounds like some of the stuff off her latest album.
0: And I love the aesthetic, too. I mean, like, so, yeah, you're right. It was, like, such a fun it, throwback. All the queens were dressed in different colored lingerie, so they had this, like, cotton candy um you know colorful vibe with like they all looked gorgeous in their lingerie it was so an this- actual
1: music video it wasn't just them lip syncing to a finale song
0: exactly they it actually so made a good. music video they stepped it up and so yeah so rue's song as you know in and of itself i thought was great and it's but available then on also- itunes oh yeah i'm sure it is <laughs> um but then also like all of the queen's verses were just really well done some i liked a lot more than others but on the whole, they all did such a good job. Um so, unsurprisingly, I think Gut Mick was my far and away favorite on this one. I yep. I liked her verse best. I thought she looked gorgeous. Um yeah, all did a very good job, but Gut Mick was my number one uh performer in this.
1: Same, hard agree. So, I am absolutely team Gut Mick. Are you?
0: I am. Yes, she is my pick for winner. Um I think that Uh, Candy Muse, frankly, I don't think is, (laughs) will will not win, right. Any of of a free
1: could win, I think.
0: Any of the other, I agree. That's exactly what how I feel as well, is that although Mick is my uh, number one, I do think that that but both Simone and Rosé have a shot at it. So it's like, it's interesting because like, I think that Rosé is very well-rounded um, and yet she's not my favorite in anything. So in this episode, Mick was my favorite performer in the music video, So. Simone was my favorite uh, runway and lip sync. And so um, for me, Got Mick and Simone are really kind of high up there for me. But I think that Rosé is so well-rounded. She's also a very strong um, contender. So that's, you know, that's where I land, but I do think it's still anyone's game.
1: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the finale episode because we're getting a proper finale this year. Yeah. Obviously, we had to make do last year with the um, remote Zoom and Ruin the that mask.
0: mask.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So got a theatre for it. I don't believe I have an audience, which makes sense. But they're yeah. definitely doing it in the theatre.
0: I'm happy for that. Maybe there
1: will be like a small audience, like, you know, cast from series 13, maybe, which I'll be okay yeah. with that would make sense. Cast and family, yeah. something like that
0: you know, if they have a light enough, um, you know, audience that they could social distance if they're not, you know, related or living in the same household or whatever. So hopefully they have a little bit of, uh, of an audience. I feel badly for the Queens who, you know, like this is a dream come true. They get to the finale and then they don't get to have like the big hullabaloo that, you know, you would normally hope for and expect from a drag race finale. Um, But yeah, so that is exciting. And I think it's exciting because we don't know necessarily who is going to win. I do. I mean, I think I do. I think it's going to be got Mick. But yeah, it's
1: got to be got Mick. I'm what I'm hoping for the finale, though. Remember the um, finale where we had uh, Bob the Drag Queen and um, Kim Chi? And I forget who else in the top that where they had their own songs written for them for their lip syncs. I really want to see that Uh again.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool.
1: Cause like I, I still remember, uh, fat Femination, or fem fatination, whatever the order was, Kim Chee song.
0: Remember. I don't, I don't remember the song. You have such a better memory than me. But um, I do remember like that finale being a great one. Yeah. So I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sad about that at all.
1: I'd much rather hear them sing like a song written for, well, not sync, sorry, lip sync a song written for them, yeah. <laughs> rather than just lip sync any old pop song from like you know, uh, MP3 player
0: yes I, I mean it would give us a level of uh you know fun unexpectedness that uh, you we would be missing if we're just familiar with the song but Either way, I think it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, although this has been a long season with the, you know, the um, Drag Race U.S. getting off to a slow start, in my opinion, where no one went home for several weeks. It's been 84
1: years. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it is shaping up to be a great season, though, with um, queens that I'm really enjoying. So,
1: yeah. So I can't wait to see how that turns out, to quote RuPaul.
0: Yes. Well, we will discuss that next time.
1: Yes. And next time we will also be discussing uh, Eurovision 2019 from Tel Aviv in Israel. And not long after that, we'll have Eurovision 2021 and we'll have a new winner. I'm so excited. That is very exciting. And I have no idea who's going to win this year. Last year was an open and shut case before a cancellation that Daffy Frey was going to win for Iceland. I can't call it this year at all.
0: Yeah, that, well, that makes it more fun, though. That I mean, like, you know, it makes it exciting, at least.
1: We'll discuss it when it comes to it, but I've made peace of how that my favourite for 2021 isn't going to win, sadly.
0: Oh, no. I know it won't well, win. I just know it. We'll have to see how it all shakes out. But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to uh, discussing 2019 next time and some more Drag Race yes. when we have a winner.
1: And until next time, bye.